it, it was interesting this week because it was uh, it was Earth Day, and we planned the series intentionally around that. And uh, but one of the one of the benefits of it is uh, the U version Bible app. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure I don't know. I'm just guessing, but the U version Bible app had that verse: uh, the, the the Earth is the Lord's and everything in it uh, as the verse of the day, and it has a little image you can share it. So I saw all these posts of our theme verse, and I was like, man, this could not have been better timed. Uh, the whole week on social media, I saw posts of this particular verse, and uh, it's been it's been our sort of topic of conversation. Before we get into that, I want to let you know where we're headed as a church. Uh, there's uh, a number of things that are in the works, um, and uh, we're going to be sharing more about those in the next uh, month or so as we get into May and into the summer. We're looking at doing a variety of initiatives uh, we've talked about before. It's really centered around Micah 6.8. Um, where it's uh, act justly, love mercy, love kindness, uh, and uh, walk humbly with God. And so with justice, we are beginning a couple of initiatives around anti-racism and uh, inclusion, uh, around uh, what it means to love compassion. We're doing a serious investment in Little Bottoms Free Store. If you're not familiar with Little Bottoms, it's one of our uh, one of our bigger ministries uh, where we're at right now in the back space. And uh, we're looking to expand and support that. We're updating some space as well as expanding our staff. If you want to learn more about uh, Little Bottoms and you're in the room, Denise is here. She'd love to talk to you and, and share about that. But uh, uh, we're excited about the opportunity to really invest in what it means to be a compassionate community and just help people uh, through giving of resources, uh, diapers, wipes, baby clothes, et cetera. And then we're the Walk Humbly with God. We're really thinking about discipleship. And the two areas we want to invest in is our children's ministry. We are looking to carve some serious space out where we can have some amazing children's ministry when things open up. And the, the, the plans around that are really exciting. If you're in the room, Molly's here, and she can tell you about some of that, and we'll be sharing more as we move along. Uh, but then also small small groups, uh, expanding our small groups. And we have a team right now working to launch uh, uh, about four new small groups this fall. And we've been meeting, uh, we've met once, and we've got a couple more meetings where uh, we're, we're really just digging into what it means to be a small group. And so we're going to have some great small group leaders and great small group opportunities in the future. Um, all of this plays out in a variety of ways. Uh, but uh, the big thing for me is uh, a lot of times, our, our slogan from the very beginning of our church has been a, a neighborhood church with a citywide impact. And we began this process, uh, one of our anti-racism processes around multi-ethnic. Uh, we've been working with Robert Caldwell, and I've had a chance to meet with him a couple times. And we've been trying to deconstruct and unpack wh- what does it really mean to be the kingdom of God in this world? And one of the things that's going to result, and this hasn't happened yet, it's still on our website. Our website still says, you know, neighborhood church citywide impact. But this is, this is all in process. We're all figuring this out as we go along. But I've shared this with staff and I've shared this with the board. That's going to change um, for a variety of reasons. You know, our world that we live in is intentionally segregated on purpose, and it was done on purpose. Um, and so we live in a, a world where some people live in some neighborhoods and other people live in other neighborhoods, and there are very few neighborhoods that uh, represent the diversity of this world, socioeconomically especially, but as well as around race and multi-ethnic. And so to be a neighborhood church and try to reach particular neighborhoods in unique ways, which has been our model, um, supports that. That's not, that's not good. We don't want to support that. Instead, we are called to be the kingdom of God. And this sounds obvious, I'm, I'm sure, to many of you, but, you know, grace for your pastor as I continue to wake up. Um, but instead of being a neighborhood church with a citywide impact, we're going to start asking the question, what does it mean to build a new kind of neighborhood? which is what you see in the parable. What does it mean to build a new kind of neighborhood, to reject the ways in which our world tries to separate us into categories? I'm going to be with my people, and I'm 
You know, I might give towards those people, but I'm not going to be in relationship. So that's the question. It's a journey. We're going to figure it out together, but we're going to start asking a different set of questions. What does it mean to build a new kind of neighborhood where we can be a people of God that loves um, our neighbors as the Good Samaritan says, uh, as the parable of Good Samaritan talks about what it means to love your neighbor, which isn't just the people who live next to you, but the people who live in the neighborhood next door that you maybe don't like. So we're gonna, that's going to be where we're headed, and, uh, and, and, and we'll talk more about that, but I just wanted to give you all a shout out that that's what we're doing. Now, today, though, we're going to talk about what it means for the, the, the earth to be the Lord's, and uh, I'm really excited about that. Sorry, I'm not ready yet. One other thing, where we're headed. Next week, new series. And let me get serious for a second. We have a team here uh, that focuses on mental health. We have a fund that focuses on mental health. Grant's here. He's nodding. It's good to see you. You can talk to Grant if you want to learn more about it. Uh, if you want to see a counselor, this team will provide funding to help you get the first couple of sessions covered. Well, this team wanted to go more than that. And they said, they, they said Joe, we need to do a series. And we've been talking about it. Um, for a while, but they said, we need to do it. This has been a really hard year for a lot of people. Um, and I'll just be honest with you, for me as well. When it comes to mental health, I'll share this in more detail next week. Because next week we're going to kick off a new series uh, focused on mental health. It'll probably be called, um, um, we're still working on the details, but it'll probably be called like, how are you doing? Really? You know, how are you really doing? Um, we're going to talk about anxiety, depression. We're going to talk about loneliness. We're going to talk about identity. You know, where do we find our identity? I encourage you, if, uh, if you know somebody that's been having a hard year, uh, we want this to be honest, vulnerable, but encouraging and uh, uplifting. Uh, they can tune in online next week, and then the, next, the following two weeks we'll be outside, and they can, they can join us outside if you know somebody you'd like to invite. But we're going to be talking about this honestly, and just to, be, just to give you a precursor, it's been a difficult time for me as well, as I said, and uh, I plan on being honest about that, um, not for any other reason than to encourage you all to do the same. So that's where we're headed. That's the next series we're going to talk about. But today, now I'm ready, we're going to talk about how the earth is the Lord. So we're going to look at a couple passages in the Old Testament. If you have your Bible, you can go there. We're going to look at a, a chapter in Hosea. We're going to look at a chapter in Isaiah. So if you want to know where those books are, you can find those in your Bible or you can follow along on the screen. Before we do that, before we jump into the message, let's, uh, let's just pray and ask God to, to be with us as we read his word. God, we come before you and we ask that uh, as a community, and, and specifically with me, that, that the, the words of my mouth and the, really the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you. Lord, you are our rock and our salvation. Uh, we need you. You have called us. You love us. You're able to use us <laughs> even in spite of ourselves at times. We give you praise for that. So, Allow these words of your prophet, Hosea and Isaiah, to challenge us, to convict us, but in a way that encourages us to keep going. In your name we pray. Amen. So to start, we are going to, I want to show a video, and I want to just let you know, trigger warning for anyone who might be watching or worshiping with us, it's a, it's a video about beer, and I, I know a lot of people in our community happen to be connoisseurs of beer, but, but I know there's other people in our community that this is a, a struggle, and I, I struggled with showing this video because it's a, it's a news article about beer uh, for that reason, but once I got into the scripture 
and started studying and I said, I have, I have to. And so by the end of the sermon, you'll understand why I showed this video about beer. It's a story about a beer that came out this week through New Belgium Brewing. Uh, it's such a unique beer that it made the news uh, throughout the country, but especially in Colorado where New Belgium is located. So is that video ready? Let's, let's, uh, let's watch it here. These taps in Fort Collins usually run full of deliciousness. Yes, we don't set out to make bad beer. This is our one exception, I think, in the history of New Belgium. A beer released especially for Earth Day. We've used ingredients that will be more common in a future that's impacted by climate change. Smoke-tainted water. We have smoke-tainted hops that are part of this. We're using different drought-resistant grains that we think will be what's available as we look out 20 to 30 years. It's called torched earth. It's a smoky grain water. And as you can imagine, it tastes terrible. That's on purpose. It's really not meant to be enjoyed. What this beer does is it invites a conversation and, and we hope in a lot of ways it drives a conversation. A conversation about climate change. Let more people understand what the future of beer, but unfortunately the future of many things within our lives is going to be like if we don't address climate change and address it rapidly. The new Belgium brewery plans to be carbon neutral themselves by 2030 and hopes this bad beer pushes other people and companies to do the same. And we hope that our voice further pushes this movement forward and does so in a very rapid way we'd like to be able to achieve, that we know from science we need to be able to achieve. In Fort Collins, I'm Jason Grenauer, Denver 7. So this brewing company decided that they would make the future of beer. And the premise is really simple. If climate change continues and there's certain challenges around agriculture and food access and certain crops might not grow because of various changes in climate, it's, it's essentially if our world becomes the dystopian version of a post-apocalyptic world. I happen to be a big fan of this genre, dystopian post So, like, this is what I read and this is what I watch. So I'm like, this is fascinating. This is something that would be in one of the novels I like to read. They said, let's use some of the stuff that we know will be available in case these other things become harder to grow or just don't grow to the plant at the level that they do. So they made this beer of the future and they're like, it's horrible. And if you're in Colorado, you can order one and you won't like it. And I just couldn't help but laugh, but also it really got me thinking about what it means to take this work seriously. So let's look at what scripture has to say around what it means to care for creation and uh, really what happens when we as people of God don't take this seriously. Uh, I want to look at the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Uh, so if you're there, you can go to Hosea chapter 4. Now, Hosea is a prophet. Um, and like the prophets, they have a very similar metric. They, they're like, here's what you're doing wrong. Um, here's what's going to happen. Repent. That's how this sort of works. You know, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what's going to happen. And repent. And, and so you're going to find this in Hosea and Isaiah. And there's a variety of answers to that format in the prophets. And this is one of them. So Hosea uh, chapter 4 verse 1 says this. Hear the Lord's word, people of Israel. For the Lord has a dispute with the inhabitants of of the land. There's no faithful love or loyalty and no knowledge of God in the land. Let's just pause there for a second. 
This is really interesting because oftentimes the people of God and the prophets of God have something to say to the people of God. Like there's this whole idea that like I, I can't hold people accountable if they aren't already on board with what God wants from them. So usually the prophet of God is speaking to the people of God. But do you see who he's speaking to this time? To the inhabitants of the land. So he says, this one is for anyone who's walking the earth. Anyone who happens to be living on land, which is everyone right now except for those at the ISS, you know, International Space Station. Like everyone else is included in this because they are an inhabitant of the land. And that's really interesting because once again, normally it's specifically to the people of God. And he says there's no faithful love or loyalty. This is one of the themes of Hosea. If you're familiar with this prophet, he ends up in a, a, a relationship with a woman who cheats on him over and over again. And that is no laughing matter. Anytime somebody's in a relationship where things become difficult or things where there's infidelity, where there's cheating, where there's, you know, this is extremely painful. And Hosea ends up in that kind of relationship. And God says that's what it feels like to be in a relationship with the people of Israel. That's like the big story of Hosea. So when he says there's no faithful love or loyalty, that's what we're talking about. That feeling when we've been completely let down. God says the, the inhabitants of the land have not been faithful or loyal, and there's no knowledge of God in the land. Next verse. He says here's what it looks like. Here's the short list. Here's what they're doing wrong. He says they're swearing, lying, Murder, together with stealing, adultery are common, bloody crime, followed by bloody crime. This, um, let's keep this up there for a second. This, this is the world during the time of Hosea. It's the world today. It's, it's what it kind of looks like today. We've got this very deep-rooted sin problem. Swearing, lying, um, killing, bloodshed after bloodshed. That's a, a particularly relevant right now in our city, if you've been following any of the news stories. In, in, in this point in the year, we've doubled the number of homicides in the city of Columbus. It's, it's, a, it's a real problem. There's bloodshed after bloodshed, lying, swearing, all of this sort of stuff. These are the crimes. Now, here is how you can summarize this list. This list could go on. Here's how you can summarize it. We're talking about selfishness, and we're talking about greed. At the, at the root of this, that's what we're talking about, selfishness and greed. People are taking what they want at no cost to them, regardless of the cost of others. That's what we call selfishness and greed. So whether it's killing or lying or murder or stealing or adultery, it, the, the whole mindset that's being challenged here is this mindset of, I am my own person. I can have what I want. I don't care what it costs you. And when you get deeply into that mindset of like, I can have whatever I want. Don't tell me what to do. This is the end result. You'll lie if you have to. Steal if you have to. Cheat on your significant other if you have to, because you want something different. Take someone's life. It doesn't matter because it's only about me. So at the heart of this, we're talking about selfishness and greed. And there's a verse in here, the ESV captures it a little bit better than the translation we're looking at here. There's a phrase, 
um, that says they're swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds. In other words, there's no limits to what they're willing to do. There's, there's no limits. There's no boundaries. One, one way to think of it is, is that, that there's no, they, they just keep going. And so one of the ways that we can kind of correct this is by setting some limits. So verse 3 going on. Here's the result in verse 3 of what is a result of all of this sort of brokenness in humanity. Hosea says, therefore, the earth itself becomes sick. Can't get much more direct than that. The earth itself becomes sick, and all who live on it grow weak. And not just those who live on it, together with the wild animals and the birds in the sky, even the fish of the sea are dying. Wow, I mean, I, I understand that there are certain circles in the Christian faith. Um, I, even, I was going to show a video about this, but I decided not to. There's certain circles in the Christian faith where it's like climate change isn't real, Climate change isn't human caused. It's not our problem. It's God's problem. It's God's earth. You know, like the earth is the Lord, so we don't have to worry about it. Um, humans aren't causing any hurt to the earth. The earth was here for us to basically do what, what, whatever we wanted to. Like this is a, I'm, I'm summarizing, and I'm, uh, but these are very serious thoughts that, that some Christians have. And I'm just like, I don't understand because we read the scripture and we're like, scripture makes it really clear that we reap what we sow. This is a very basic Christian value that we reap what we sow. And when we as a world live a certain way, there are consequences. And I would suggest that the status of the earth is one of these consequences. One of the ways in which we are living as selfish and greed, you know, when we lean into selfishness and greed, one of the results is just like Hosea says, the earth itself become sick. This isn't the only place that the scripture says this. Isaiah 24 says it as well. I want to I read it for you. It says, it describes it like this. We'll put the words up on the screen. Isaiah 24, verses 4 through 9 says, The earth dries up and withers. Once again, he's a prophet. He's talking about uh, how this, the people aren't being faithful to God. They're not living the way they're supposed to live. And one of the consequences, this is what it looks like, is once again talking about the earth. He says, The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish with the earth. The earth is defiled by its people. Interesting note, some translations, it would say the earth is polluted by its people. It's just you know, a modern version of defiled. The earth is polluted by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statues, and broken everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth, and the people must bear their guilt. Therefore, the, the earth's inhabitants are burned up, and there are very few left. The new wine dries up, and the, the vine withers, and the merrymakers Grown. And as was all these things that we tend to enjoy are starting to become less available because of our sin, the way in which we're hurting the earth. He goes on, verse 8. The joyful timbrels are stilled. The noise of the revelers have stopped. The joyful harp is silent. No longer do they drink wine with a song. And get this, the beer is bitter to its drinkers. When I saw that, I said, I got to show the video clip. <laughs> There's a brewery. In the United States, it says, hey, let's pick, what would beer look like if things don't go well? And they're like, the beer's going to taste terrible. And scripture, thousands of years ago, from a different perspective, a theological perspective, say, if we continue to live against the way that God has called us to be stewards of God's creation, to not be selfish and greedy, to, to care for the orphan and the widow, to, to care for the earth, 
that this is what it looked like as well, that the beer, the wine. Now, the fact that the destruction, you know, the fact that we see both of these is a coincidence. But here's the thing. The logic behind both of them is the same. If you don't take care of the earth, the things that we'll enjoy become harder to enjoy. That's the whole point. That's what the Bible's trying to say. I think that's what many climate scientists are trying to say as well. In other words, in some ways, when it comes to caring for the environment, theology and science agree quite a bit. Um, you know, we have a friend who's a professor who shared, um, uh, Jeff McKee, uh, who shared uh, previously uh, his views around creationism and evolution in an interview. Some of you maybe caught it, but he, he's written a little bit about this, where one of the places where science and faith can really match up is around environmental stewardship. And he's not the only one to suggest that. I've seen this pop up in a lot of different conversations and articles. Because here's the thing. Not only do they kind of agree where we're headed, the Bible makes it really clear. Like, if you live selfish, greedy lives, like, this is where the world is going to feel that impact. Uh, Social scientists and climate scientists would say the same thing, that this, this is a result of oftentimes greed and hoarding and people living, you know, in ways that is hurting the environment because it's comfortable and it's nice. Not only do you agree on that, um, but they but they agree on the cause, that it's because of selfishness and greed, that there are too many of us who want our own way. Um, but between science and theology, only one of those can cure that selfishness and greed. And that, that's where it becomes really interesting, because even a number of climate scientists are like, you know, one of the places where the church could really make a difference is, is in matters of the heart. And at the root cause of a lot of the ways in which we're exploiting the world from throwing away too many things, you know, separating ourselves from the food we eat, all of these types of things, is, has to do with being willing to change in our heart. And science often doesn't, al- doesn't always change that, but God can. And that's where the prophet becomes really important. Because Isaiah, Hosea, a lot of the other prophets will say, here's what you're doing wrong. Okay, here's what's going to happen if you don't change. And then they say, so change. The word is repent, which means to change direction, to do something different. And oftentimes God's like, if you just repent, if you just repent and believe, that's the core of the gospel in, in the gospels, if you just change, if you do it differently, these things that I warned you would happen, well, they don't necessarily have to happen if you get to hear and you honestly repent. I had a chance to sit down with uh, somebody and do an interview around this. Um, her name is Sarah Gallagher. Uh, she's a local advocate for recycling and trash reduction in the Columbus area. She, she owns a company called Full Circle Source, but then she does a lot of education and training. She's a part of, a, uh, I think, a Westerville or a Worthington group uh, that does some recycling. She's also part of an old Tangy River cleanup group. And so we sat down and did an interview. That interview is now on our website. If you're interested in listening to it, it's about a half hour long, and we talk about recycling and trash. Um, and you can, you can get some really practical ideas. I encourage you to go check it out. Um, but... I was really surprised by some of the action steps she gave. So we're talking about ways that we as individuals can change, right? So we can do things a little bit differently. And here's what she said. I, I, I was not expecting this. I say it in the interview, and it still makes me laugh a little bit. The first piece of advice she said, go do a tour of the landfill. And I was like, wait, what? The landfill does tours? How many, of, how, if you're online or here, how many have done a tour of the landfill before? Yeah. I have not. 
Um, and, uh, but, it, but, it, but I was surprised by it, but then I was like, you know what, that actually makes a lot of sense. Because every single one of us, I don't know anyone, uh, even the most advocate environmentalist, who doesn't throw something away. And it ends up somewhere. And it's worth, don't you think, knowing where it goes? And part of the tour, I guess they're not doing it right now because of COVID, but they will eventually. But part of the tour is talking about how a lot of stuff that gets thrown away doesn't have to be. Then she said something else. Do a tour of the recycling center, uh, which I, I think is also on pause, but eventually be available. And I'll just let you know, I say this in the interview, and I say it now, I'm totally open to doing a church-sponsored landfill tour, right? So if anyone wants to help organize that when it becomes a possibility, I'm, I'm on board. I'll be there, and we'll, we'll advertise it. Um, and then the other thing she said... So landfill tour, recycling tour, you can learn all about how recycling works and how a lot of it stays local and how plastic uh, can only be recycled a, a certain number of times, but, but aluminum cans can be recycled over and over again. Like, it's just really interesting stuff. The other thing she said, do a trash audit. And I was like, what? Has anyone ever done a trash audit before? Here's what it is. You gather your trash over a week, and then you open up your trash bag, and you lay it all out and look at what you've thrown away. And I was like, <laughs> when you came to church today, did you think that would be the action step? When I was on the interview, I did not expect that to be the action step. But it's the same sort of logic. We don't know until we know. So much of this, and this has to do with issues of justice across the board. When something is out of sight, it's out of mind. You know, this is why I think sometimes uh, international trips are so important. Not because of what you do, like I'm not a huge fan of like mission trips, but I think cross-cultural experiences are really valid because when you go there, you're like, oh, I see it and now I get it and seeing it changes our heart. I think that's why going across the railroad tracks to a different neighborhood is so important because when you see it, you're like, oh, now I get it. Like, or hearing people's stories is so important. It's the same logic for why going to the landfill is so important. Do you get it? Because if otherwise we're just an ostrich that sticks our head in the sand and we pretend like it's not our problem, even though we're contributing to it. But when we put ourselves into a place where we're willing to see. I've often talked about, I've often thought about, I don't know if I've talked about it, that there's kind of a couple of big problems in Scripture that God is trying to fix. One, of course, is the sin problem. Immorality, things that we do to hurt ourselves, hurt God. One of the problems is chaos. Old Testament talks a lot about chaos, all the disorder. And God tries to counter that by creating community and putting structure into place. A lot of the laws have to do with overcoming the chaos that we as humans tend to create. But one of the other big umbrellas that God is trying to fix is blindness. We just don't see it. And that's why throughout the scripture, God talks about seeing God talks about giving sight to the blind, and it's not just literal. It's oftentimes getting our head out of the sand, seeing it for ourselves, being able to understand and wrestle with it, being able to understand the problems and the nuances, and then doing something because of it, because you've been able to see your heart has been changed. So here's my challenge. This is the last message that we're doing uh, uh, on, on uh, the, you know, this doesn't belong to a series. And so I just want to challenge you. Uh, we've shared every week, and if you've missed the sermon, you can go check it out. We shared every week just really practical things. Uh, Alyssa shared a number of those uh, last week, um, and uh, I shared a few before. And my challenge for you is to do at least one of them. You know, do just one practical thing 
to better understand or to change something about how you're living or what you're throwing away or whether you're recycling, just find one of those. And if nothing else, you know, do a trash audit, you know, just even if you don't open up your trash through the course of a week, think about what you're throwing away. Does it need to be thrown away? Listen to the podcast, listen to one of the interviews, do something um, around this because here's the truth. The earth is the Lord's. This doesn't belong to us. This is, this is God's house. This is God's creation. And it's been given to us, and we've been given responsibility for it. And if you've ever stayed at someone's house, you know, or if you've ever had someone stay at your house, you, you don't want to come back from vacation and find it a wreck, right? There's a certain responsibility as guests and stewards of that which doesn't belong to us. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we give you thanks. Lord, we ask that you would give us opportunities to see, that we would put ourselves into different places so that we can allow our hearts to be changed through the things that we experience, Um, whether that be um, doing something different, going somewhere different, Uh, or just asking a different set of questions. Most importantly, Lord, we do repent. God, I think in my own life, those places where I have fallen short, where I just did the easy thing because it was easy, where I didn't even want to think about how I could live different because I was already too overwhelmed with how I was living. God, I I ask for grace for myself and for each other. That you would help us not beat ourselves up, but, but just help us take steps in the right direction. That we could be models in this world and in our communities and in our neighborhoods of what it means to be good stewards of your resources. And that slowly, if not, it's slowly over time that we might be people that can Make the world a better place. We can treat it as something that you love and that you care for. So Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our trespasses just as we forgive each other of our trespasses. Wash us clean and give us a fresh slate. Lord, we're ready. Use us. In your name we pray. Amen.